Hello everybody, I'm Dave. And I'm Dougie. And welcome to our podcast dedicated to all things tabletop role-playing games. Each week we bring you the latest news coming out of the tabletop role-play gaming world, along with tips, tricks and advice on any and all areas of this wonderful hobby. We will also be getting together with some of the players from our own games to get their input on the week's sessions, getting inside scoops on their characters, predictions for where each game is heading, and much more in a segment we like to call Tavern Talk. As well as answering any questions from you, the listeners. So, sit back. And relax. This is Dungeon Drift. Okay, episode two, here we go. Hello. It's exciting, isn't it? So, first of all, massive thank you to all the people, all seven of you who listened to our first episode. That's great. Uh, Initially, because I'm not saying people can't go back and listen to it again. Please go back and listen to it again. We need more numbers. Yeah, I I think that's actually five, Dave, because I listened to it. Yeah, I listened to it too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. yeah, massive thank you. Um, we have now created a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Dungeon Drift. Um, so look out, for, uh, up, look out for updates on there. We are now on five platforms, and you're going to make me list them, and I can't remember them, so I'm going to have to pull them up now. We're on Spotify, Google. Um, they're the only two I can remember at the minute. Hang on. Uh, yeah, Spotify, Google, Anchor, Breaker, Radio Public, and... Uh, Facebook. That was all five, wasn't it? Yeah. And Facebook for our main page as well. Um, also, as we said at the end of the last episode, if you have any questions or insights or feedback, please feel free to email us at dungeondrift at gmail.com. Which is also on our Facebook page. There is a link to allow you to email us directly. Yeah. Brilliant. So into the meat of this episode, we said last week that this week we were going to talk about uh, character creation, but not how to create a character because there are there's plenty of information out there to do that but we're going to talk about the way we go through our process of creating a character and um and things like that hopefully give you a little bit of insights on our processes fantastic so what, what are the first questions most people ask when they're ready to jump into your campaign and they want to build a character is how do i decide my stats how, how are they created and there's there's loads of methods out there loads yeah for example you've got the 46 drop one um you've got the points bar you've got the standard array standard 3d6 standard 3d6 then you've got the top down method which is a bit controversial i like it i like it makes it a bit more random yeah exactly and what's fun is if players have already assigned their race and their classes and then you go top down you, you really get something colourful. Yeah, it makes a much more interesting role-playing character than a, a not a min-max character, but it's, it's a lot less catered to what you wanted and more, this is their life, live it. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't optimise the character in terms of capability, but as we expressed from session one, we're more concerned with the role-play element side of the game. In combat, say... A, a nice to have and uh, a nice breaker so um yeah I, I find it more interesting yeah absolutely so what makes a good character in your opinion Dougie? um 
for me, we're going to discuss this later on as well, but for me, it's a character that you genuinely want to play. It's one that you're not filling a hole in the party because you feel that there's something missing. So you, you compromise and you play something that you feel the party needs. It is something that you genuinely have an interest in or it's something you thought, I really want to play that. Yeah, absolutely. When I get new players into my sessions, um, they'll say to me, and I can guarantee you every single time somebody new joins one of my sessions, our guest who's joining us later actually asked me the exact same question. Like, what does the, cur- the current party have? What's the player balance? What do I need to play? And I will always say, play what you want. Don't try and fit into the mold. Exactly. And, and a perfect example of that was, uh, as you remember yourself, Dave, um, <coughs> it, it, it died a death, but uh, Storm King's Thunder, where we had an entire party of spellcasters. That was really fun. That, in all fairness, um, I, I unfortunately, due to work commitments, I only lasted three or four sessions into that. You, you went on a bit longer than that, as, as from what I remember. Um, oh, it was so much fun. It was my first time playing a wizard in that one, or a, a proper wizard. Um, I, I'd multi-class before into wizard, but never gone soul wizard before. No, uh, I've always liked wizards. Um, great fun class. Uh, I... And recently, I've not been much for the martial classes, which is why I've started playing them. And actually, I really like the martial classes. Yeah, I, I just think that in today's day and age, and in, in the real world, in inverted commas, there are, you know, there's martial arts, there's boxers, there's wrestlers. I want to play something that doesn't exist. I want to play a wizard or a sorcerer. You know, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, so... Being able to to flick a wand and cast a spell is something that would really appeal to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But again, a a lot of people sit there and think, what could I be? And and a lot of their character concepts comes from their imagination of where, in the perfect world, where would I be? What could I see myself doing? Yeah, and that's not what uh, D&D is, in my opinion. It's, It's... if you had the chance to escape into this world, it's what would I be if I was in this world? Not what would I be now as me? Absolutely. And that's, and that's what, I, if you remember what I mentioned last week, people use it as an escape. Yeah. And that's exactly where the, the concept of the character comes from. Absolutely. So you've chosen your class, you've chosen your race. Uh, you've got your stats, you've built your character. Where do you fit the backstory into that? Do you start with a backstory or a concept and then create your character? Or do you start with your concept in your mind of what you think you'd like to build and then try and build that? Personally, I like the backstory to drive the character. You get a more immersive um, understanding of your character, why they're doing what they're doing, um, and then your character builds on that, and you're able to identify traits, flaws, weaknesses, strengths, not based on the stats, but based on them as a character. And that really... I, I've seen characters created where someone's done an absolute beautiful backstory. They've gone into so much detail. And by the way, that's not needed. 
especially when you're playing a level one character, that is not needed. But they have put the effort in to make an absolutely smashing backstory. And yet when they play it, that doesn't come out. And it's I, wasted. I had somebody give me a, a full family tree going back about five or six generations once. No, no word of a lie. It was it was that in depth. I, I thought, am I reading Game of Thrones here? Or am I reading a character's back to backstory? Now, it was the effort and the the attention they paid to their character was astounding. But it was a level one character. Yeah, go ahead and do all that work if you want. Go ahead and put all that info in, but it doesn't need to go in your backstory. That's your information to bring in later if the need arises. Because having that much information in your backstory, you know, at the end of the day, is going to be a lot more difficult for the DM to try and work it in. If you leave your backstory open-ended, the DM can say, oh, can I add this in? It might fit really well into your character. But if you've already blocked out that backstory, it's... All, all his work's already done. It doesn't leave him much free, sorry, or her, much freedom to do the, um, to, to add to the game. No, I, I totally agree with that. And in addition, that as a level one character, you haven't done much. You might have gone on a, a bit of adventure with your family. You might have been a year in the military. You may just be a farmer who's decided that he's had enough of farming and want to explore the world. But as a level one character, you're nothing much more than a either more smart, more physical, more dexterous commoner. Absolutely. Um, and that's how you need to look at it. Yeah. You you can't have a character who's let's say you're the you're the, the cliche or not cliche because it's not the the typical half orc who um whose tribe was slaughtered by a band of full blood orcs or something like that and your favorite favorite em enemy now is orcs and you slayed the entire tribe that killed your family and as a level one character you, you're not going to have the ability to do that so it's like the, the typical one for half orc is i'm a half orc i was raised in a clan of actual orcs i was shunned by my family because i'm a half breed uh i went out into the world and do this i i Actually, I played that character on my Friday session that I forgot to mention before, um, <laughs> who, who died a glorious death, I may add. Um, but uh, the backstory for him was he was a half-orc from a tribe of full orcs, but the full, full orcs used to venture into uh, human territory, um, destroy, rape, pillage, and all that lot. His father took a slave... Um, got her pregnant i was the offspring of that shunned but i was a damn good smith then i then went into my adventure to raid and attack a human village on the way back took an arrow to the back of my knee and was taken prisoner and then <coughs> basically my character began at the age of 42 because he'd been a prisoner of this noble for about 18 years um and my actual role after that amount of time, I'd become a trusted member of the, the household and I was a bodyguard to the, the royal son. But I still hadn't all these adventures or anything now. I was merely a slightly freed slave in servitude to the family until I represented themselves. No glorious deeds. I'd spent 16 years of that in a, a prison cell. Yeah, absolutely. Going on the other 
side of things. My character for your descent into Avernus game now, Mr. Pierre Dupont de Garde. Mm. His backstory is literally he is a really famous bard and loves himself. And it offers everybody his autograph. I haven't gone into his past. Obviously, you as the DM knows his past. Um, but I'm not going to say it here because it, it's spoilers for the character. Um, when it comes out, we'll obviously discuss it. Um, but he, he just absolutely loves himself. But I just thought, typical bard, you know, philanderer, loves himself. But I've put a little bit of spice into him. And it's actually, I, I think it's quite interesting the way, and, and sl small nuggets are now starting to appear in his personality. And obviously with a name like Pierre Dupont de Garde, you've got to give him a French accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, he's a good character. And that's that's the thing. It doesn't matter how in-depth your backstory is or how shallow it is. Stick to it, play to it, and it will be a good character. Yeah, absolutely. So we've we've got our stats. We've decided what character we want. We we've done a backstory. Um, we now got the the long and difficult part where people say, "I struggle with filling in my character sheet." I'm going to be honest here. I haven't filled in a pen and pencil character sheet in about well since D and D Beyond became a thing, basically. As soon as that character sheet became a thing on D&D Beyond, that was it. That is my go-to, my favorite method of doing it, it because it does it all for you. Yes, there are some people who really enjoy filling in their character sheet, having that having that handwritten character sheet in front of you when you're sat at a table or at a computer, for some people, is really important. And I would say, brilliant. If that's you, excellent. Print it off afterwards i personally my go-to is D, D beyond because it just makes the whole process easier and less painful yeah i'm 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 one of them people i i love filling in character sheets now and because i know how to fill a character sheet in in some pretty good detail i don't rely on D, &D beyond and if the system or D, &D beyond crashes I know that my character sheet can be built or can be ready at any time. Even if I need to roll one up, I can roll one up in no time at all. There are advantages to using automatic systems, as you say, D&B Beyond. Um, and in addition, the new character mancer for Roll20 um, is a great way to get people into the game faster because it helps them build their character. I have for used, me, I haven't used that yet. Okay, so it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It does what it says on the tin, exactly. But for me, if you've built your character from scratch and you know the reason why that stat is why it is and why these parts are why that is and why them scores are why they are, you know your character more. And as we said last session, know your character sheet inside out. Yeah. And if you've created that that way, then you truly know where everything has come from. Whereas if the, if it's a character mancer and it's a system that's created it for you based on what you've thrown in there, you probably don't know the character well enough that if something changes, why and how to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But in terms of actually filling the character sheet in, um, I, I've got a process I've followed that stood me well through the test of time. 
Um, uh, the first thing, obviously, is getting your stats. So whichever method you use, your DMs allowed, get your stats, put them in there, add your modifiers, job's done. The next step I use is to add the the racial stuff. So that gives you your stat boosts or banes, depending on which class they may be, um, and any other racial ability that goes onto the character sheet next. Um, then I then look at the class stuff. So the first thing I do from the class stuff is normally the um, skills. So I choose the skills and apply them because you already know your stats by that point. Because you've done your racial stuff and your stats, you can get your skills bang on right straight away. Then you start working on your hit points, your armor class, your speed, your starting items, your abilities. You build it up perfectly. At that point, you can probably run your character if you needed to. Um, the last step and the one I think that most people sometimes do first but i think it works better last is your background obviously with 5e you've now got backgrounds to your um, class and races that really work well with some of the concepts that you've come up with in your character creation and in addition to that it also grants you things like extra languages extra tool proficiencies um, extra skills um, but it adds to your backstory it gives you more ideas yeah, absolutely. Um, the backgrounds do that. Yeah, like you said, they add to you. They can add to stats and things. You get more equipment from them as well. Um, but that's a mechanical thing. But it, the the personal um, what are they call personal details and the uh, flaws and what are they call now flaws, weaknesses, strengths, and ideals. Yes, that's it. Um, so the ideals and things like that. Um, they do. They give you a, a a platform to start building that backstory that we were talking about earlier. So um, there are things. There's one for um, the scholar, which I always find um, really quite interesting. That's uh, I have read every book in every library in every city of the world, or something along these lines. Or that's what I'm telling people, and I think. That's a really fascinating thing. That, that to me, sparks loads of ideas. Like, my character's a know-it-all. He might have read a lot of books, but he's a know-it-all. Ah, I remember that in a book. He probably hasn't read that book. He's a, he's a liar, first of all. That's another character trait. This guy, can he be trusted? And then it leads on to the whole, um, okay, so if he can't be trusted, if he's lying about that, what else is he lying about? And then I've got all these ideas sparking different branches of different trees going in my head of where I could take this character based off that one thing that the player's handbook gives you. Yeah, very, very much so. But again, just remember, guys, that once you've created the character, that's not the end of it. As the character levels up and grows, it should be like a life story. The encounters in the world, the people they encounter... <laughs> the events that happen should shape and mould and bring your character into different avenues. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But work on them, play with them, because it'll make a better story in the long run. Absolutely, yeah. Um, for me, character creation isn't character creation, it's character concept creation. You're, you're, or character building block creation. You're, you're giving the, the building blocks for this character... 
character creation, character creation starts in, epi- in session one when you start interacting with other people and you start behaving as your character. Yeah, I totally agree with that as well. So you've come up with your character concepts, you've created your building blocks of your character. An interesting question that comes up, and we've mentioned this slightly already, is should you share your characters with each other prior to session one or the first live session? Now, for me, that's an absolute no. Yeah, me too. As I've mentioned before, it influences others to play characters which they possibly wouldn't want to choose initially. And if you're not completely bought into your character from day dot, no matter what happens and where they go and how they evolve, um, there's that element of, I didn't really want to play this character. And you can't get the most enjoyment out of it. Absolutely, yeah. No, for me, it's a big... Unless certain games, like Traveller, which we'll be talking about in a bit, encourage you to create your characters together. There is a massive advantage in all games, in my opinion, to create your character together, especially if you don't want to do the whole you meet in a bar. Yeah, but that's that's a classic, isn't it? It is. It is. And Some it works. would say it's a cliche. It does work. Absolutely it works. It's how your Descent into Avernus started. You know, and, and it worked brilliant. It got us all a, a really ragtag group of characters. It got us all together, like, you know, Ooh. really close. If you remember, the Descent into Avernus started off as a introduction outside the gate a walk through the town yes yeah then you ended up in the bar absolutely um but what but for those of you who don't create your characters together who go away and create your characters secretly with your dm passing ideas back and forth like oh could my character have this personality trait could my character have this item that he uses for this purpose then if you're creating your character in private, then it's it, don't don't share it with the group. Have it as a surprise. I would like to run a game, personally, where... Now, I haven't done this yet, because we've all said, oh, I'm, I'm playing a wizard. This is my wizard. He's got this. And then that's what, like, session one, where you, where you learn whose characters are whose. I would like to play a character, where, uh, a game, sorry, where you come together with your group. You don't mention class. It's obvious, like, looking at a character, you know what race they are. But, like, you start, like, say your first combat, and you've got, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to add my sneak attack. Oh, he's playing a rogue. Keeping keeping things quiet and learning about other people's characters. Like, you don't walk into a walk into a bar and know everybody, everything about the guy sitting at the bar, do you? We, we sort of done that in Storm King's Thunder, if you remember. I'll be honest, it was that long ago. I really don't. It was like, what, three, three years ago-ish? Started in, on the back of a wagon heading towards Storm King's Thunder. Uh, so heading towards... Um, oh, I can't remember the name of the town now. Was it Tribor? No. No. I can't remember either. It's funny because I've just... Re- I've I, I not long finished reading that campaign. Yeah. Either way, I can't remember what it was, but... Um, and you guys didn't know each other's abilities. And once you started casting spells and stuff, you're like, oh, okay. Absolutely, yeah. So, but that's, that's yeah, that's where we are with that. So, in my opinion, um, normally it's a big no-no. Yeah. Um, purely because of that influence of others to fill the atypical um, 
D&D party organisation, which, fair enough, back in sort of third edition, maybe even 3.5, you needed your one fighter, one rogue, one healer, one wizard, maybe a bit of range. Once fourth edition came <coughs> along and there were so many different variations of classes and abilities and stuff, some say too many, which is why it got the reputation of being not so great. Um that sort of died off. Um, but with 5th edition, once they reduced the classes and that back into a more manageable group, they actually included a lot of survivability in each of the classes anyway. So you don't need that that atypical uh, format. I'm trying to think off the top of my head now. Is there a class in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons that cannot cast a spell? Through archetypes and things. Through archetypes too, um, fighter, can. fighter can, fighters. No, that's what I'm saying. Barbarians can, fighters can, wizards can, druids can, mages can. No. Or that monk can monk cast a spell. Yeah, the sun soul monk. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I'd I'll be the spellcaster. Why our fighters an eldritch knight? That's song sword. Yeah. It's it's like there are I I think the boundaries of class in D and D now have been blurred to a point where they don't really exist. They're like I said about character creation, they're a building block. Yeah, and then you've got the whole debate about multi-classing as well, which can lead you down so many tangents, and it's not worth going. We'll we'll do an episode on multi-classing at some point. I like multi-classing. Yeah, it's cool. However. I think it's time to move on to our next segment. I agree. So, this is the section of our program where we uh, discuss everything to do with our own sessions in our segment that we like to call Tavern Talk. Uh, Today, we have uh, a guest with us. He is playing... um, Well, I I will let him describe his characters. He is... uh, a DM for me in one of my live play sessions I do, um, my uh, table sessions that I, I play in at a, a local shop near me when the shop is allowed to be reopened. Um, however, uh, let's bring Dill into the conversation. Are you there, Dill? Can you hear me? Hello, I'm here. Excellent. Well, welcome to the channel, Dill. Of course, it's a pleasure to be here. Good. So... You are in my Out of the Abyss game, and you're also in my Traveller game. So, yep. tell us a bit about your your experiences with me as a DM. Please be kind. With you, oh, with you as a DM? Uh, I like to think you're you're a fairly good DM from my perspective. Being, being someone who kind of self-taught himself to be a DM just out of a pure passion for D&D. You know, I, I first got into the game watching a critical role and stuff like that. First sparked my passion, and yeah. Seeing you DM, it's it's quite refreshing. It's it's a nice way. It's different from how how I DM, but it's still a, a way I like to play. I, I find it respectable and uh, enjoyable to play in. I think. Thank you. <laughs> um. So you so had you expect that fifty quid now, yeah, deal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's it's down it's, straight to the bank account. To the post, yeah. yeah. Um. So you had your first session with us, um, playing uh, Dungeons Traveler. and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. with his first session with us as a group. Um, however, we're, we'll talk about uh, D&D in a bit, but we are going to... Our main segment of Tavern Talk today is going to be about uh, my Traveller game. 
Now, oh, for those, of course. For those who don't know, Traveller is a um, it's a sci-fi uh, game set in the far future. Earth has colonized the stars. And yeah. if you would like a, a, a hint at just how many stars that is, head to travelermap.com and um, pass out when you see it. It's absolutely it is huge. huge. Um, it is massive. But it's a completely different system to D&D. Um, Concept-wise, it is... Um, it's a different format, so travel as a 2D6 system as opposed to the D&D D20 system. Um, but for me, because I've, I've run a one-shot, or so I played a one-shot with Dave, which turned into a three-shot, I think it was. Three-shot, yeah. Yeah, which, ah, these things happen. Um, but in addition, the, the character creation element of Traveller is the huge difference in terms of... Um, how your characters are created, and that—that's—that's that's what we're going to talk about most. Yeah, and just as a not a disclaimer, but we are playing Mongoose Publishing's second edition, as we mentioned last week. Um, Traveller has been around since I think mid eighties. I think maybe seventies. I, I don't know. I'll find out and I'll I'll put it somewhere. Um, but Traveller's been around for decades. Um. It started out uh, fairly small. Um, it was the main competitor at the time for D&D. Um, D&D was your high fantasy, your, your dragons, your magic, your, your, your swords and sorcery, if you like. Traveller was your sci-fi, your spaceships, your aliens. Um, it's a completely different concept of a game. Because the universe is infinite... Therefore, the possibilities in Traveller are also infinite. Um, nothing in Traveller is, is, represents that more than in character creation. Um, Absolutely. So the, the key difference between Traveller character creation and, as I say, D&D is Traveller encourages, promotes, and almost makes it impossible not to create your characters as a team. The, the way your characters are built creates contacts, <coughs> rivals, friends, enemies, and then links are formed within your character creation. You get benefits for saying, well, my character has this happen to him. Could that person he met there be your character? Then you might earn a new skill based on that connection rule. Absolutely. Now, in previous editions of Traveller, leading right the way back to day one, up until Mongoose Publishing's first edition, it was possible to die during character creation. Unfortunately, it is now no longer possible to die in character creation. As far as I've found... You can. Can you? You can, yes. I know you can get severely injured and like lose a limb and things like that. If that carries on for too much, you can still die. Um, typically, though, the the biggest thing that will kill you off is the old age rolls effects. Yes. So once you get you start the the idea on traveller is everyone starts at the age of eighteen, so you hit adulthood, and then you spend terms progressing within a chosen career. And each term consists of four years. Exactly. So you can go start off going to either 
university or a military school. Finish that, and if you qualify and um, pass out successfully, you get a nice boost to your starting stats, abilities, roles, and stuff like that. But your chosen profession career then begins at 22 as opposed to anyone who doesn't go to one of these and then starts at 18, they effectively have longer before they start to feel the effects of old age. I think it's 30? 34. 34. So after 34, so uh, effectively it's five career, five terms. Four terms? Four terms. Four terms. You have to roll for the effects of old age on your body. Um, they can be brutal as well. And yeah, and that, that's that's what'll kill you. Character creation in general is brutal in Traveller because you can you can start you can come to your session zero, like many people many of my group did, and think, I'm going to play this character. For example, Dougie, your character is the is the ship's mechanic, if you like. You yeah. are the Scotty of our ship. Absolutely. And in all fairness, the dice gods were kind to you. Dill, yours were not. Oh no, yeah. my roles were brutal. Dale, why don't you tell us about your first character creation within Traveller? Oh, your first one. I came to the session with an idea for a character I wanted to play, but the Traveller Dice God simply looked at said idea and threw it out the window. <laughs> As, uh, yeah. We should probably I'd explain. Always... We should probably explain there that the Traveller consists. Traveller character creation consists of dice rolls. There's no picking a stat and saying I'm having that and I'm having that in my character. For each career term, let's say you, you decide to go into the scouts. Now, scouts is a big law thing in Traveller. Um, you have to see, you have to roll your dice to see if you qualify for the stat, for the scouts. And it will be um, a skill, uh, sorry, a, uh, a characteristic check, so uh, against your strength, dex, uh endurance intellect education or social and yeah, go, six... going back quickly so them six stats are rolled using 2d6 only there's yes, no 3d6 drop one they're simply rolled 2d6 and that is your score yeah so you have to try and qualify for a career if you fail to qualify for that career you can try and qualify for a new career and so on and so forth I think there's, there's, a, there's a there's a few career choices and each each one has like three different sub sub careers that you can go into yep after you successfully qualify for a career you get um a set number of skills based on that career and all those skills start at level zero so you are trained in that skill however that's it you've got basic training in that skill the the advantage is having i think you get six skills um in the career so you have six things that your character who's done that job like, like someone in the military gets some basic training. They have the knowledge of that. Statistically, that means any role in them skills is a straight role because you're not um, untrained. Any skill you roll that you're untrained in is automatic minus three to your dice roll. Bearing in mind, as I said, it's a 2d6 system earlier and the average of 2d6 is seven. And the average role that you need to achieve for most roles is seven. Eight. So get an eight, sorry. Eight. So already you're against the odds and you chuck a minus three onto that, which means you need to roll a natural 11 depending on what 
stat or proficiency that the DM says you've got to roll again. Sorry, it's not a DM in Traveller. No. Um, so, you've qualified. You've got your basic training skills. You then need to see if you survive that term in that career, whether you do a good enough job in that career to progress or to potentially keep your job. If you succeed in your survival role, brilliant. You then roll for an event, and that's a, a chart for every career. has it has its own individual event um, table, which is 2d6. You roll that. This is where the backstory... It's more of a backstory generator, the, the events rollers, and it gives you events, and those events can have good or bad things happen to you. If you don't succeed your survival role, you then have to roll on the mishap table. And you are immediately, unless stated otherwise, kicked out of that career. So, Dill, tell us about your first character. Ah, yes. Uh, my first character was a fairly heavily set man. He wanted to be a military man. That's That was his goal. And uh, so right off the bat, uh, I believe he tried to go to the military academy. And, uh, and how did that turn out for him? Uh, we dropped out. He, he didn't... Uh, he's not the brightest in the bunch, so he dropped out Military Academy, but still sat on it. So he tried to join the army, and uh, I believe he failed the qualifications for the army as well. Uh, then... He oh, started wandering. Yeah, you, you became ah, yes, a drifter became a after that. In, in, yes. In, we, we should say that in Traveller, you have the option to either... If you're not succeeding in any career that you're trying to go into... You can choose to become a drifter or you can choose to be drafted into any career, but you could only do oh. that once. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I drafted, I, I joined the Scouts, didn't I? Then uh, I yes. believe I got injured and that was forcefully evicted from that career role and became a drifter. And uh, this was just like a, a slow, it was like a slow downhill motion for this character creation. We slowly picked up speed via bad rolls and unluckiness, which now, turned him into something rather wouldn't be fun to play. No, now me what, being what about quite... your actual stats? Can you remember what they were? Uh, I have a. They started off fair, fairly okay-ish, but then they just they kept weren't awful. chipped away. They weren't awful, but they weren't great. I don't think you had anything yeah. above a plus one modifier, did you? I, I think not, by no. the by the time, because some of his, if you remember, some of his failures on his rolls caused negatives on his. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I dropped I dropped my endurance a fair amount because of one. Did you get injuries. injured? You got a severe injury a couple I of did. times. Yeah, if you, I managed to just get by with only like minus three to some starts because of them. Yeah. Uh, so, me being quite a merciful referee in that game. Merciful is, indeed. Um, I said, I, ca I can't have a brand new player to this game having a character he's really going to hate on his first ever game in this in this system. I let you create a second character. How did that go, Dale? That went... I, I would like to say it went well. You would uh, like to? I would like to say it went well. It, it, could, it could have went a lot better, but I'm happy with the outcome of it. So why, just, why don't you tell us, who, who are you playing in the Traveller campaign I'm going to be running? Okay, I'm playing uh, a man in his uh, 40s uh, called Sero Astley. He's a slightly disgraced noble from uh, Planet of Warden who has uh, decided to go enjoy his life running away from the, nobility, uh, the problems of nobility and such. And, uh, yeah. Didn't at one point 
you get screwed over by your noble family and end up serving them, being, oh, a, being a waiter for them. I did at one point, but he, he fairly quickly grew tired of that and decided to become a wanderer. Yes. In which he was betrayed. And <laughs> didn't you go were very betrayed well. many times. I was betrayed many times. I became, a, in the later part of his life, he became an entertainer, which went fairly well until he uh, uh, stumbled upon a, a kind of a coop or uh, what would be the word for it? Conspiracy. Uh, yeah, he stumbled, stumbled upon a conspiracy in which he didn't think he was welcome in that career path anymore and left. He he, yeah. he 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 jumped before he was pushed. Oh yeah, he jumped ship before it could go any worse. Excellent. That's and as uh, Dave has mentioned earlier on, uh, my character actually linked into that conspiracy and benefited from it. Mm-hmm. Which is where the 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 benefit rule, the connection rule in Traveller comes into play. Um, that brings up a good question, though, actually, Dave. Yeah. Um, Benefits of mulligans. Should they be allowed? Shouldn't they be allowed? When when should they and when shouldn't they? Absolutely, they should be allowed in very specific circumstances. Okay. Um, however, um, I think if you allow them all the time, people then come to expect them, um, which is not good because they'll just say, I don't like the character I've created. Could I please just make another one? Um, yeah, see, I'm I'm quite, I'm as you know, I'm quite the opposite on that. You're very much and, a rules as written, aren't you? Yeah, I like the fact that you've rolled the dice, the dice have worked against you, and as I've said, if a player can bring a fantastic <coughs> story, the dice are almost yeah, whatever. It's it's the it's the role play side of it that really brings it out, and I like the fact that they have these flaws because they've got poor stats and that. If it's a very dice driven game, um, and I don't get the feeling that Traveller overly is, yeah, um, that I I think characters should have what they get what they get rolled with. Yeah, um, one of the things in the in the core rulebook for Traveller again, this is this is not verbatim. This is very much paraphrasing. Um, one of the instructions to the referee is um, if if your char- if, if a character or a player has um, basic training in a certain skill, question whether it needs a role or do they just do it. So uh, a standard, la- let's say the pilot is trying to land the spacecraft on the surface of a of a moon, uh, oh, sorry, on the surface of a planet that's got a, a decent atmosphere. Um, it's a streamlined hull, therefore it can fly perfectly fine in atmosphere it's a very flat construction constructed landing pad there's no wind no bad weather that doesn't require a, a pilot check because this this character has basic training in piloting chances are they've got above basic training they've got a level or two in piloting by now that, so that won't a, require a role so a drunk noble flying a aircraft into a volcano who is very proficient yeah, but you were drunk. <laughs> she was very drunk. Yeah. Um. So, Dil. But yeah. So, Dil. What are you expecting from Traveller? Are you expecting um, a very similar experience to D and D? You know, um, every other game might be a, a big bit of combat, or are you expecting a more story-driven 
I think from the get-go of character creation, my impressions of what Traveller would have been like were shattered completely. Uh, I, I was under the impression that I'd be similar to D&D in some ways, but off the get-go, I realized it was a completely different game, and I think it's mainly going to be story-driven. Uh, that's what, how I believe Traveller would be, with a, a nice bit of combat here and there for when it's needed. But okay. I, I think I'd like the concept of a nice story-driven game rather than half and half of D&D. Excellent, yeah. Okay. Um, so, moving I'm on to... I'm looking forward to it anyway. Yeah. So, Dougie, while you're here, tell us a bit about your character. Okay, so I am the, um, I am the anti-deal, uh, basically. Um, I had a very narrow character concept going into the session, as I discussed with Dave previously, uh, in that I wanted to be uh, a grease monkey. Uh, we played our one shot before, uh, and I played a noble Baroness El Baroness Elsbeth Wade, um, who had the party eaten out of the palm of her hands by the end of it. Um, but she she done nothing but produced everything. It, it was brilliant. Um, but within that group, you had a couple of um, you had one marine type, one who had failed uh, a military path and went uh, ended up in scout. prison. Ended up in prison. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Andy, who also had a mulligan because his character went downhill faster than Dills. He ended um, up scrounging in dustbins at the back of the uh, universe. Yeah, the universe's equivalent of tricky cheese. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so he created a new character, and the one thing I noticed was we had a, a, a scientist who was trying to put calculators into people's brains and cybernetically enhance them. Um, that was that was brilliant. But what I realised is there was no there was no career characters. There was no proper down to earth. What do you need to run a spaceship? And we know this is going to be a very spaceship driven game. It is. So I decided I want to be I wanted to be that Scotty. The guy who looks at something and either bodges it to make it work or works out a way to make it work way beyond it shouldn't have done uh, and does that. So that was my concept. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And you God were very damn it, you were the very roles lucky. worked. The Very lucky. And I, I'd like to point out within this one, if anyone's sitting there thinking, oh, well, I don't know about that, all of us rolled in Roll20. So it was a computer-based rolling. Everyone saw everyone's rolls. Um, Roll20 gods were with me that day. They were. <sighs> it could have gone the opposite way. Like I said, prison in Traveller is a very real possibility. You could end up in prison for... An indefinite amount of terms. You could just be sat there. Did I make parole? No, I didn't. Okay. Did I make parole? And he spent three terms. He spent 12 years in prison. 12 years. For what? And he it, lost an eye. Yeah, it wasn't even for anything major, was it? Didn't he? Wasn't um, he involved in a fight or something in one of his other careers and then he was just sent to prison and forgotten about? No, because that was the fight. No, the, the fight was the this new character creation, wasn't yes. it? Yes. There was something undercover, again, part of a conspiracy thing, and he got caught in it. He tried to roll to make it work, and he failed. Yeah, that was and it. He and went, he went to prison, and he ended up spending 12 years, three terms in prison. Yeah. So this new campaign of Traveller is going to be, um, we're, we're playing through the, the epic campaign adventure of uh, Pirates of Drinex. 
which is a um, a published campaign setting, not camp- campaign module, sorry, from Mongoose. Um, Pirates of Drinax is basically you are given a letter of mark from the king of Drinax where he is giving you legal right and legal power to go out and be privateers and pirates, which I think it's, it's very sandbox. You can come up with your own heists. You can plot uh, trading routes and say, oh, so that ship goes from there to there on this date and it should have this cargo. Hmm, okay, let's go nick it. And you can do whatever you want, and it's it's going to be such a free campaign. Yeah, for those uh, possibly not new to uh, roleplay gaming or some of the terminology, Sandbox is uh, an open source world where you aren't following a storyline, which we call railroading, where the party has to go along that path to go into that path, cave to meet that person, to get the task, to move on to the next one. It's not like that. No. Sandbox is designed where you can go wherever and whenever you want. And actually, it's designed in such a way that, especially within D&D, you can enter areas you really shouldn't be going at that level. And there is a real risk of what is known as a TPK, total party kill. Absolutely. So actually, Sandbox Worlds, which goes against most parties within D&D, you need to know when to retreat. And not a lot of people and not a lot of parties do that still have you encountered that yet uh yeah actually my last session on thursday uh there was the a big bad encounter with the kind of one of the end bosses of my campaign within my party and they decided to stay with the town that was getting overrun by a giant horde of goblinoids and an evil mage and i thought at the start of the session there's no way they are going to physically look at this overwhelming amount of numbers and actually go for it, and they did, and uh, it was a new, it was a new, nearly total TPK. Only two of these six party members got away alive. Amazing. And yeah. The, but those uh, was there a was there an audible cheer or or a, a, a visible reference if you were playing over a screen to where people were physically relieved when you ended that combat. Uh, there was two or so people kind of gave their lives that, that way uh, two people that are more attached to their characters emotionally could get away yeah uh, and the ones that did get away they were extremely happy they some, to one of them actually left the cold momentarily because they started crying because they didn't want to lose the character that, oh, you see that that is a DM's dream it is in... I was so happy they were that attached to their characters but it was were a sad you, you moment DM, for some of them yeah, you, I was you, a DM. Oh, that's a great. That is great. It was a, it was a great moment seeing them that attached. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Oh. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of our tavern talk. It does. Um, and but... we have one final point left, actually, which is uh, a listener-submitted question. Yes. Dill um, will get your this... input on this one as well. Yeah, this, okay. is, this is from uh, another player who lives just up the road from me, Ollie. What are the pros and cons of one-shots? That's a very good question. So, in my eyes, um, pros of one-shots are for people with very li- limited time and aren't able to commit to a, an ongoing campaign. Um, a one-shot at least lets you get that fix, if you like. And they're also mm. really good for things like conventions, um, new players especially who want to try the game um yeah 
that they're, they're my. I won't. I won't steal all the all the pros because I think other people have them. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that for me, a pro of one shots definitely is the opportunity to sample a system that you've never used before. Um, but in addition, it's also a chance for players to try them class combos that they've never thought would work and they don't want to commit to a campaign where they get three or four sessions in and go, I really hate this. Uh, and to do it in a one shot is is a great opportunity for them to yeah. scratch that itch. Oh. Absolutely. Uh, I personally believe uh, pros of one shots is that very few D&D games that I've took part in myself rarely go over the like the level 10 when it comes to party members and the majority case wise at least so it, it allows certain players to go to like you can have a level 21 shot you can actually get that proper high fantasy high stake one shots where you could just get into i don't know fighting a, a very large horde of dragons with max level pcs and have them epic fights and just allows them to as Dave said, scratch that itch of just the the end game of dnd or what it can be yeah how far can you get through the tomb of horrors Oh, yeah, not very. Absolutely. Um, oh. In terms of negatives, though, I find um, once it's over, that, it's over. Well, oh. there is that, and actually, I don't feel, or I haven't yet felt, characters are real and truly immersed, or players are really immersed in their characters. They they are a sheet of paper that I've created for this adventure that once it's over is going to be thrown away. And actually that backstory, that immersion element, quite often doesn't get filled in. Absolutely. Yeah. Like at the end of the session, say uh, the characters end up dying at TPK, there's no emotional attachment to it. There's no kind of drama or sadness and the remorse of everyone, anyone dying or all of them dying. It's just, it's never going to happen again. These are just one-shot characters. That's it, that's it. It's kind of a... Yeah, gets rid of that emotional connection you should have. Absolutely, it's it it's what it says on the tin, isn't it? It's it's a one shot, you know. It it's there to to fill that urge, or yeah, or a three shot for my travel travel one. But sh- that was that was time constraints. Um, it's there to fill that urge. It's there to to get a game in. It's you know it's 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 there to fill a certain time slot. Actually, I would say one other pro of one shots is. Uh... Real life happens, as we discussed before. And actually, if, if campaigns are skipped for a week due to someone being ill or too many people billing off, one-shots can fill that in quite nicely. I mean, I've, I've got three or four one-shots sat ready for things like that if I need to. Yeah. It's a, it's a I'm really sorry, guys. So-and-so can't make it. I'm going to have to cancel. Oh, no, just can you not run a one-shot? Or can anyone run a one-shot? It gets passed around our chat quite a lot, that. I mean, one of the last one-shots I ran turned up into be a um, player versus player battle royal in a coliseum. Yeah, and they're fun. Battle royales are really fun in D&D. It's just... Yeah. It, it, it also scratches that itch for people who are, who love the combat side of things, if you, if you go down the battle royale. Yeah. Fantastic. A, a system that really lends itself, in my opinion, to one-shots... Um, is uh, Call of Cthulhu. I was just about to say that. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu really does. It's a simple case that you're sent on to investigate these strange eldritch horror things. And you yeah. very often end up either insane or dead by the end of it. So. <laughs> or both. And your character does too. 
exactly. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the unlike D and D, where or even a one shot where everything is so detailed and so in depth, um, the the premise behind Call of Cthulhu is that there's a little core story and that's it. And actually, the player's actions dictate the rest of where the path goes. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I hope that has answered your question, Ollie. Uh, pros and cons of one shots. Um, that was our thoughts. If anybody else has any thoughts on their pros and cons of one shots, we might have missed. Feel free to uh, like our Facebook page and drop us a message on there, or um, or send us an email. Uh, again, all the details for that will be at the end of the episode. Um, but I think that does us for this week. I think it does too. I'd like to thank you for joining us, Dill, and giving your views inputs and thoughts on uh, your characters and the various systems and where we're going yeah no problem it was a pleasure to be here no problem hopefully we can have you back to talk about your character in my out of the abyss game when we have a little bit more time um and mm-hmm. we don't try and fit too much into one episode um so again yes thank you very much and thank you to everybody for listening don't forget to like us on facebook facebook.com slash dungeon drift send us an email with any questions you might have dungeon drift at gmail.com and look out for our next episode, hopefully in a week time. So from me, it's goodbye for now. And from me, catch you on the flip side. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.